Hey everybody and welcome to the 5 Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan, and this week is a pretty special episode. The podcast is now one year old. I launched the channels on January 3rd, 2018, and published the very first episode on January 6th, 2018. I've been very fortunate for the support of you all in the tech community who listen and contribute to the show. I was also lucky enough to receive the support and sponsorship of Goliath Technologies and Liquidware to help me cover the expenses of the various different subscription services and some of the hours I spent on producing the show. I actually estimated that I have put in over 160 hours of work into this podcast between the weekly research, recording, editing, and publishing. That's one month of work in the year. It has resulted in fewer blog posts for me, but I have to say I have enjoyed doing it. It helps me retain a lot more information. I no longer just quickly scan through articles and forget them a few minutes later. I actually retain the information. I hope you all get value from this podcast too. The main goal is for me to read and research each week and keep you guys informed and hopefully save you some of that valuable time. Now that a year has passed, from next week forward, I will be changing the format of the show a little bit. I will still cover weekly news highlights for IT professionals. I will no longer do a weekly hot job segment and will instead feature the segment from time to time if there's a particularly interesting job or if somebody in the community reaches out to me to ask me to feature an open position. Also, I would like to feature more remote work opportunities. From talking to people in the community, those are very attractive positions. Those who work in small towns with limited opportunities can benefit the most from remote work. And if that describes you, definitely keep listening to this episode in particular. I plan to keep the scripts, tricks, or tips segment. When I first started it, I thought it may be difficult to find one each week. It's actually the opposite. It's really hard to choose just one each week. Again, keep listening to this episode for a rundown of some of the highlights from that segment over the last year. I also hope to upload some YouTube exclusive content showing some of those different scripts, tricks, and tips from the year and demoing some of those cool tools. On a handful of episodes, I featured questions submitted to me by email. I would love to have that on every episode, but it would get repetitive as all questions I get are about app virtualization and application delivery. I'll continue to pepper that into the show every now and then when it makes sense. I have been thinking of starting an infrequent vlog to answer some questions. Not necessarily tech questions. So for example, a colleague I worked with a few years ago recently asked me for tips on planning a trip to Ireland. I tried to help him, but it was kind of information overload. That would make a great vlog. Also, a colleague I worked with back in Ireland was considering a role in Texas and asked me my opinion of living in the U.S. as somebody who moved from Ireland. That could also make another good episode. When I do those, I will put them on the 5 Bytes podcast, all one word, 5 B-Y-T-E-S podcast YouTube channel exclusively. If that kind of thing interests you, subscribe to the channel and turn on your notifications. This week's episode is also going to be a little bit different. I'm going to cover some of the week's news in pretty short form and as this week marks the one year anniversary of when I started the podcast I also figured it perfectly lined up with the new year and I covered a lot of tech news over the last year featured many jobs and community content I thought it would be fun to look back at some of the highlights I'll do that after going through this week's episode so stay tuned at the end if you want to hear about some of the highlights but let's get rolling with some of the news from this week 
VentureBeat.com reported this week that Windows 10 has now surpassed Windows 7 in terms of market share. Windows continues to dominate in the OS market share overall, accounting for 86.2% worldwide. And with that, Windows 10 has 39.22% versus Windows 7, which has 36.90%. Interestingly, it looks like Windows XP continues to have a larger share than Windows 8.1. Probably not surprising, but interesting nonetheless. Though dominant, Windows share overall dropped by 0.83%. As of September, Windows 10 had surpassed 700 million devices. Also pretty topical now that we're into the new year and considering the last story about Windows 10 market share. A quick reminder that Server 2008, Server 2008 R2, and Windows 7 will go end of life in just over 12 months. If you haven't started your migrations away, you better get rolling now. Starting mid-January, Microsoft will begin installing Office Pro Plus in Office 2019 with 64-bit as the default instead of 32-bit. The European Union has started to offer a bug bounty for some of the most popular open source products on the market, including FileZilla, Notepad++, Putty, KeePass, 7-Zip, VLC Player, Drupal, and more. The bounty offered is highest for Putty, with 90,000 euros on offer. Some of the comments from ethical hackers online, mainly on Twitter, was that the money on offer is very small potatoes and without guarantees in place to protect them legally, it would not be worth the bounty. I guess time will tell on how effective this offer is. I mean, personally, I think it's pretty cool that they're stepping up to offer this and I hope that it proves effective. The beginning of the year was pretty topsy-turvy for tech companies on the stock market. As of the recording of this podcast, which is Wednesday, January 3rd, Cisco is down about 3%, Microsoft down 2.8%, and Apple down a massive 9.3%. The feel from economists is that Apple's current performance woes have a major part to play in the general downturn. As of now, today alone, the Dow is down almost 600 points, which is close to 3%. The tech stocks are certainly reflecting this, or the Dow is reflecting the tech stocks. Who knows? I'm no economist. I don't know if it's cause for alarm. As I said, I'm no economist by any means, but it seems like it's up 3% one day, one day down 3% the next day. Doesn't seem pretty healthy, but what do I know? Finally, voting is now open for the Citrix Innovation Award. I believe the award is going to be given out next week at Summit, I believe. So if you've got a moment, go ahead and vote. I already did. I won't tell you guys who I voted for. I don't want it to be like an official endorsement. But all three get candidates this year are top companies. Sweden, the United States, and New Zealand are actually represented this year. So that's cool. And now for this week's hot job. This week's hot job is courtesy of HTG UK, or Howell Technology Group. Their headquarters is in the northeast of England. The successful candidate will be able to work in an agile manner with some remote working and traveling as required to meet customer and partner needs. The role will primarily be based out of the Northeast headquarters, however. In the role, you will maintain and develop client and partner relationships, manage engagements, and enhance the service offerings. Using your expertise and that of the team, you will develop, design, deliver, and support full-stack technical solutions in the end-user computing space, leveraging the best products and services across the industry. And that statement about using the best products and services certainly rings true if you look at some of the requirements for the candidate. 
which includes five years or more experience of architecting, designing, delivering, administrating, and or supporting EUC environments, knowledge and experience with one or more EUC specialist solutions, Citrix, RDS, VMware, Workspaces, SCCM, App Packaging, FSLogix. Knowledge and experience with multiple hosting and virtualization solutions, VMware, ZenServer, Hyper-V, Azure, AWS, Nutanix, and automation. And a strong base of knowledge across core IT skills including Active Directory, Windows Server, and Desktop Operating System, Storage, Networking, and Cloud Principles. So certainly, if you're into working with bleeding edge technology, this should definitely be one for you. Time management, self-governance, and an ability to perform to timelines is essential. They expect candidates to have great communication skills and to work closely and interactively with clients, partners, and colleagues. So if you believe you're a top performer, if you're a super geek when it comes to end-user computing and cool products like those from Nutanix, FSLogix, and so forth, you want to send your CV to careers at htguk.com. And now for this episode, scripts, tricks, and tips. One of the great things about Unidesk was the amount of great content created by Ron and team that made setup and working with the product to breeze. CitrixGuru.com has the ultimate Citrix app layering guide with an incredible amount of info, which could certainly compete with that which Unidesk provided in the past. Nicholas has organized the info into very logical steps too, with labs to follow for each, which then drill down into further logical segments. He has also included some best practices, which is awesome. And the best practices of app layering session at Synergy this past year was one of my favorite sessions. So it's cool that Nicholas has basically curated some of those best practices, I'm sure, but also other best practices that he has learned through trials and tribulations. So big thanks to Nicholas at CitrixGuru.com for sharing that. And as always, I provide links for all of the content and all the stories that I cover on each episode. You'll find that on 5bytespodcast.com under reference links. And this week's episode is episode 53. Let's get into some of the highlights for the last year. So the biggest stories that I covered in my opinion in 2018 were as follows. Spectre and Meltdown was the story that just wouldn't go away. It just dragged on and on and on. Unfortunately, it's still dragging on for us in enterprise IT today. New Spectre variants were reported as recently as November. Microcode updates have been made available to address some, but not all of the variants at this point. Intel announced their ninth generation core will provide fixes for some of the variants on a hardware level, but other variants still require software and microcode updates. While Spectre and Meltdown were the two that caused the biggest headaches, they weren't the only security issues this year. Hell, we just had that IE0 day a few days before Christmas. Wasn't that fun rushing patches through before the holiday? Apple had a couple of security fumbles themselves earlier this year when an OS update left their disk encryption vulnerable. The encryption password was left exposed through the UI. In what was one of the biggest security missteps, Apple's macOS High Sierra also enabled a root super user with a blank password. The man, or some would call a hero, who stopped WannaCry in 2017, malware tech on Twitter, is still stuck in the US awaiting trial after being arrested for what authorities allege is his part in the Kronos malware. Hopefully there's a good resolution to this in 2019. 
It wasn't all bad news from a security standpoint this year. ExtraHop launched a security-focused product called RevealX and even made the front page of Hacker News late this year by exposing a an imposter third-party extension in Chrome which was sending data to an outside source. Microsoft essentially won their long-standing case against the U.S. government in protecting customer data in their Dublin data center, with the case being ruled moot due to the establishment of the Cloud Act. Bromium released their secure platform version 4.1.4, adding to their already great stack of security products. New Vector released version 2.0 of their container security platform, which was pretty relevant this year considering some of the security holes found in the container world. And also just recently, Microsoft launched their Windows Sandbox feature, as I talked about in the last episode. Microsoft have also added some pretty major new features to Windows Defender like ATP, and they continue to go from strength to strength in this area. So the tech is getting better and better, but of course the threats are also getting greater and greater. This year, Microsoft announced Windows Virtual Desktop, which Trent Tai and I blogged about pretty extensively. They are essentially going to provide a shared multi-user Windows 10 desktop running in Azure. And to make the offering even more attractive, later this year, Microsoft announced the acquisition of FSLogix. I've spoken about FSLogix quite a bit at various different conferences, and I always use the tagline, FSLogix are the kings of keeping it simple. Well, not only do they keep it simple, but they're very effective with their products. So it's going to be pretty cool and interesting to see what happens with Windows Virtual Desktop. Microsoft also launched MSIX this year, which could potentially take over from MSI and AppV, as well as AppX in the future. It's still pretty immature at this point, but it does show some early promise. I'm sure I'll be covering more about MSIX in 2019. On the very first episode of the podcast, I covered news that Computes launched, which was a new company doing really impressive things around creating pooled resources on a peer-to-peer network that could be leveraged for research purposes and more. In fact, it was already being used earlier this year for Parkinson's research by a couple of different institutions. Well, as quickly as they launched, pretty much, which was the first episode of the podcast, they were actually acquired a few months ago by Magic Leap. Jerry Gibson and I had the pleasure of interviewing Chris Matthews on the Frontline Chatter podcast, who is CEO of Computes. So at least for me personally, it was a highlight of the news this year because I covered the launch of the company on the first episode. I got to cover the acquisition by Magic Leap, and I got to interview Chris on the Frontline Chatter podcast. So that was pretty cool. Also this year, PowerShell Core and .NET Core were launched and saw primetime. Microsoft also announced the intention to embrace Chromium codebase for Edge over Edge HTML. Microsoft moved their docs to GitHub, and Microsoft ended up acquiring GitHub themselves. And under Satya Nadella, they continued to morph into a very different Microsoft. They even open-sourced DOS this year. Now there's even rumors being reported by ZDNet of Microsoft developing their own Linux distro. There have been weeks when researching for episodes, I've thought, you know, I'm covering way too much Microsoft-related news on this podcast. I need to cover more news from different vendors, different products, and just different spaces entirely. But it's very hard to get away from Microsoft news because they're such a large entity They're so all-encompassing of enterprise IT 
and they're just constantly releasing new features and products and updates. So try as I might, I will continue to cover a lot of Microsoft related news in 2019. So that was some of the news highlights from this year. Let's cover some highlights from the hot job segment. During 2018 on the Five Bytes podcast, I covered a lot of different jobs. Some deeply technical, others not as technical. So there were engineering positions, architect positions, but also jobs like project managers, technical sales, executive positions like director positions, and more. And obviously, as jobs get filled, they're no longer available. So for each episode, it's very much a point in time. Um, They're not evergreen. So if you go back to earlier episodes and try to click on the links for some of the jobs that I posted, it's just not there anymore. But I thought it'd be valuable for me to share some of the information on evergreen job sites and different resources that I came across in the last year that I think you guys might find useful. So at the beginning of episode 53, the one year anniversary of the podcast, I talked about those in the community talking to me about remote work opportunities and those being pretty hard to come by and not knowing how to find those opportunities in particular. Several months ago, I came across this link and it was actually just a GitHub repo just using the markdown within GitHub when I first saw it, but it looks like now it's been published as a GitHub page and the formatting is much nicer, but there is a site, remoteintech.company, which features a pretty large list of tech companies who offer remote work opportunities. Now, a lot of these are startups and a lot of the positions are pretty developer focused, but a lot of these organizations also hire IT workers too. And probably more techie oriented for all of those in IT. Earlier this year, I came across a Google Docs spreadsheet that contains all available opportunities right now, real time available within VMware. And there's hundreds of positions from all over the world. And like I said, it's real time, it's kept up to date. So you'll see that it's been modified in the last day or two. This year, I also came across girlsintech.org which is a job site that encourages vendors or companies who want to, in particular, attract female tech workers to their organization. They can post their job opportunities on girlsintech.org and find the best female tech talent out there. So for any female techies listening, it might interest you to check out girlsintech.org. On an episode this year in the scripts, tricks, and tips segment, I covered some really helpful resources on how to write a standout technical resume, which was shared by Emma Vedekind. She goes through formatting, what content to put in there, how to make it visually appealing, and shares some useful resources for designing the look and feel of the resume and more. Before I came across this resource, I was using something called Enhanced CV, but Emma's article has opened up many new resources that are now available at my disposal. In a pretty recent episode of the podcast, I featured Onisik, O-N-I-S-I-C-K.com, where Joe Onisik 
features a lot of different video features a lot of different videos going through tips for those in the tech field and they kind of fall in the line of career guidance i would say so he's got tips on how to figure out what your value is what's the most amount of money you can make in your particular role within your geographical location so it's not just hey you know you could be making five hundred thousand dollars a year but really the top end of the scale is only to those living in silicon valley where it costs like three hundred thousand a year to live <laughs> you know this is real world practical advice just for all techies i really encourage you to check that out this year, the Five Bytes podcast featured some really great scripts, tricks, and tips from the community. When I decided to add this segment to the podcast on episode one, I was worried that I wouldn't be able to find something to feature each week. And it's actually been the opposite. I've had the problem of it being very difficult to pick just one to feature. With that said, here are some of the highlights from the last year of podcasts for this segment. Now. I, I'm going to try and do a longer video version that will be exclusive for YouTube of this because as anyone knows who views the YouTube video version of the podcast each week, I do feature some video content and from time to time I show demos of some of the tools that I'm talking about in the scripts, tricks, and tips segment. But for now, in this episode, I'm just going to run through some of the different highlights in a relatively short form. First up, I came across this really nifty WPF toast notification for PowerShell, and I've started to include it in a lot of my own PowerShell scripts. It's really useful. If you've got a PowerShell script that takes a long time to run and you don't wanna to have to like watch over it or read through some verbose logging to see when it's uh, completed and if it completed successfully, you can put this toast notification into your script. It'll pop up in the bottom right-hand corner of your screen. It looks pretty cool. You can then have it like linked underneath that. So if you click on it, that then brings you to the log and you can see that everything completed successfully. I also featured the EUC monitoring platform version two. So version one was created by Dave Brett, who is a Citrix CTP and a really cool guy. He does a lot of great stuff for the community. With version two, he got a lot of help from others in the community and they really made a kick-ass product. I was fortunate enough to implement this in my current work environment and it has saved me so much time. I no longer have to spend you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes in Citrix Studio every morning just to figure out if everything's working all right. This gives me that high level view, uh, much better than Citrix Director. I find that if there is a problem with the delivery controllers, Citrix Director does not get its data to really tell me that there is a problem or how many people are really connected into the VDAs. Whereas I found when that did happen to me and I did have problems and I had the EUC monitoring platform, I was actually able to see how many users were still connected and figure out what the damage was. So if you run Citrix in your environment, definitely check this out. AppV Scheduler version 2.6 launched this year. Now there is a community version of this tool that you can run for free. I am running the enterprise version where I work currently. I've used it over a few years in the past, but I have to say 
This is my first production implementation of AppV Scheduler. And from now on, if I do get another opportunity to set up AppV or to work with AppV in an enterprise, I'm just flat out going to say the only way I take this job is if you allow me to work with AppV Scheduler for this. You need to buy it. It's the only way really to properly manage AppV real time in a RDSH and VDI environment. It really is amazing. I featured a trick because really I didn't have any tricks to talk about through the year except for this one. There's an Easter egg feature within all the Windows operating systems called God Mode. Essentially, you just create a folder and you paste in this long SID as the folder name. And then it creates an icon or shortcut that when you open it, it's a full list of all of the administrative uh, features and menus within the operating system all kept in one place. Throughout the year, I featured a few articles from my buddy Trent Tai. So for example, he had a great article on performance impact analysis for the mitigation of Spectre and Meltdown, which was really useful. But the one I keep going back to and pointing out to other people even in my current work environment, is the article on group policy design. He does a comparison with actual metrics on group policy design using monolithic versus functional and gets really into the weeds on solid group policy design. So definitely check that one out. This next one isn't really practical for everyday IT, but I thought it was a really cool use of PowerShell. There's a SpaceX PowerShell module. So you can actually run this module and run these little get commands and get real-time information from some of the SpaceX launches and various projects that are going on. I thought it was kind of cool that somebody came up with a really kind of out there use for PowerShell. The amazing Aaron Parker built and has been maintaining a really great PowerShell module for downloading and installing completely automated Microsoft Visual C++ runtime redistributables. This has been really useful for, for me for setting up packaging VMs. I just install all the Visual C++ redistributables, particularly for AppV, so I can turn off that feature that dynamically puts them down for applications that require it and slows down the login, or sorry, launch times. But I also like put it in my own home labs images too. So thanks, Aaron. That has been really useful for me. I've talked about BSIF on multiple podcasts, just keeping you guys up to date on new releases with fixes and features. If you're not familiar with the tool, if you work in desktop imaging, uh, maybe in Citrix NApp, Horizon Apps, Parallels, and you're sealing images a lot, you really need to check out this tool. If you run it when you're sealing your image, it helps you to completely optimize for performance. It has built-in logic for handling things like say if you're running um, Citrix WEM, it's able to detect the service and stop that service before sealing, which is something you should do. It can do stuff like cleaning up certain registry, genericizing the image. It's really, really great. There's a really cool free tool from Avonite that you can run and it will show you how much cache and how much space on disk is being used by your browser cache settings. I was stunned by how much Chrome and Internet Explorer actually take up on my disk. 
And this is particularly interesting for enterprise IT if you're running non-persistent desktops and servers and you've got to manage this user cache. It's really insane. Finally, I featured numerous articles throughout the year from ICT-R on performance impact analysis on different things like launch time of MSIX versus locally installed applications or AppV applications, uh, Windows 10 performance, Server 2019, and even when applying and using available Citrix policy templates and more. They've really been churning out some great articles on performance impact analysis. Of course, I featured a lot more. There were some other highlights in there that I could get into, like the Windows 95 container, which I thought was pretty fun. Different keyboard shortcuts for launching into administrative features within Windows and so on. Of course, the podcast wouldn't be possible if you guys weren't listening and actually supporting. I talked about changing the format in the coming year. If you have any opinions, if you really like the hot job segment and would prefer me to keep it, by all means, reach out to me and let me know. I want to make sure that I'm producing or continuing to produce a show that you guys all enjoy. And with that, as always, thanks so much for listening.